previously on the player's world. Uh, how would you like if you got pushed? As soon as you have that thought, Bryce is pushed forward by nothing. There is no contact with anybody else around him, but Bryce goes flying forwards. Out the front window, you see an overtly fancily dressed man. The name's Augustus. Eli, you got to turn and walk out the door uh, and you actually drop the wrench. Augustus just like spins around. He's like, well, no problem. And he clicks his fingers and the wrench just flies through the air, whips back into your hand. And then Augustus brings his attention to you, Ava. It's been 10 years since I've met you because I was the one that pulled you from that car. Um, I think as soon as he mentions that he's the one that pulled her from the car, she like stops walking. Let me show you why I couldn't come visit you. And he gestures to the building behind him. You find yourself standing at the front of the most derelict building you could imagine. After you step into this elevator, the elevator begins to shudder and shake. Ava, welcome to Broadstead. And Eli, welcome home. Earlier that very same day, but in a completely different place, we see a thin vertical window generously allowing the sunlight to slip into the room that we are in. The sunlight catches on a few multicolored crystal candle holders that have been placed all around this room, and a few of the colors softly dance off onto the ceiling above. We see a light layer of dust swirl and whips around as a ladder on roller wheels whizzes past us, cascading further alongside the giant, ginormous bookshelves that stretch all the way to the ceiling and line the entirety of this room. From atop this ladder, we see a small girl kick out and push off from the bookshelves, seamlessly kicking to the next and to the next, and she glides along, quietly humming to herself. With a furrowed brow, she looks intensely at the spines of the old leather-bound tomes and novels that populate the shelves as they whiz past her, until she quickly shoots out her leg out in front of her to stop the ladder. From the messenger bag strapped around her shoulder, some pages of notes spill out from this sudden stop fluttering to the floor. She pauses for a moment to, to watch them fall, before a look of manic glee washes over her band-aid-covered face when she rips the book she found from the shelf and then does that thing where they slide down the ladder without using the stairs like you. With a swipe of a straight arm, all the books and notes from this one spot on the center table of this room swiped and pushed aside and another large layer of puff of dust whooshes outwards as she slams this book down in its place. <sighs> with an exuberating sigh of relief, she pulls a stained mug from nearby and takes a long sip of black tea before setting it back down, cracking her knuckles out in front of her and reading the cover of the book out loud to herself. Lies, spies, and a conspiracy to protect boggies. <gasps> Luz, you turn to chapter one and begin combing the first few paragraphs of page one. When you are almost immediately interrupted, when you hear the sound of disheveled flapping of wings and a lumpish plop outside the door to this library and a soft knock. Ugh. No, just come on in here. You don't even have to knock. <laughs> I'm just like still staring at the book. Opening the door towering in the frame of this door is a large fluffy feathered butler of this hotel Bacchus the giant kookaburra he straightens out his ruffled feathers and rumpled tuxedo butler vest and gives you a great big grin as he says good morning Luz I see you're already hot at the books today uh, oh yeah uh yeah, good morning. I'm gonna like shut the book and kind of like slide it into my bag. Have you found anything groundbreaking in your research? It's just autographical studies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing about boggies here. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. I know you like uh, you like the interest of them. Uh. Boggies. Now, uh, I I'm so very sorry to interrupt you, but I have a. How, have you seen the lobby this morning? Have you seen it? 
Yeah, no, yes, but is it empty now? Like, what? Like, you sound a surprise. Oh, oh, come see for yourself. And Bacchus leads you out the door and across to the edge of the railing that overlooks the lobby from the second story of this hotel. The black and white checkered floor below like stands just nearly empty, except for uh, the two maids that wheel a cart of laundry across to somewhere else. At the reception desk, you see Banjo, the horse-headed man, leaning sleepily back in his chair with his feet rested up on the desk, enjoying a bowl of fresh-cut carrots. <laughs> of the four giant cylindrical pillars that hold up each corner of this main foyer, Bacchus points to the one nearest to you and exclaims, Right there! You see that? You see it? Look! Gotta get real close. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You gotta open your papers. <laughs> You're not looking. <laughs> I'm gonna look. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to hear my squawk laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> At a first glance, you don't see anything. <laughs> but then, with a careful eye, you can see a thin green vine begin to snake and coil its way ever so slowly downwards. And you look back up to follow it across the framework of the skylight. Now you notice there's small little flowers beginning to blossom as if they were growing right out of the metal and stone, stone structures they are mounted in. And you feel a funny, fuzzy feeling on the palms of your hands, and you lift them off the railing you were holding onto, and there, in the perfect shape of your handprint, is a small mat of moss growing slowly in your wake. You know exactly what's happening, because you've been living in this hotel for a few months now. You know that each Wednesday morning, the hotel undergoes a magical transformation where it decorates itself for one day in an ever-changing theme. The theme changes from week to week, and in celebration of this, Augustus, the hotel owner, asks Bacchus, the kookaburra butler, who I also want to... I kind of want to give the title of he, he's a uh, cooker butler. <gasps> Good. I did not even think about that when I created it. <laughs> So Augustus asks Bacchus to put on a night party for all the guests and all the visitors to this hotel, themed to whatever the hotel transforms itself into earlier on in the day. Bacchus continues, You know what, Lewis? Compared to last week's beach day theme, and uh, what was the week before that? Oh, bubbles and foam. <laughs> this one's starting to look a lot more uh, easier for us, huh? What do you suppose this week's theme may be? Uh, gar gardens? I don't know. Or salad? Ooh, salad. Who knows? Ooh, fruit salad. <sighs> oh, oh, okay. I think I know the perfect place where we can get decorations from. And that'll be? Mad Miguel's Central Salad Place store oh that's a good idea do i have to go i know i uh certainly couldn't make it all the way there and back without a helping wing i'd need some sort of helper do you know anybody <sighs> i okay okay you don't have to be slick i, I know i know <sighs> I'm, I'm like gonna stare longingly at my messenger bag and i'm gonna like stroke it and be like soon <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it'll be a real shame because there's a real big possibility we won't be back in time to make it for your homeschooling session. And I know how much you love to learn and learn about things all wonderful like trigonometry for mathematics and learning the correct uh, dilution ratio when mixing with sodium phosphate. Oh, oh, and we will even learn about calculation process of an aspect ratio. Of a slope for your geomographical studies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm gonna like point to my uh, closed eyes and be like, see this? See this? Yeah. I'm asleep. I'm bored. Let, let, let's just make salad. And I'm just gonna like walk <laughs> away from him. <laughs> Ruffling his feathers in excitement, a gush of wind like whips your hair around as he sights singly. Oh, wonderful! 
I was thinking, if it's a salad-themed party, what if we send out invitations that are, get this, salad tongs? Hmm. <laughs> and that way, people will have their own salad tongs for the giant pool-sized salad bowl! Ooh. <laughs> 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 the invitations will say... Let us invite you to this wonderful uh, salad uh, uh, thing. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. Oh, Luz and Bacchus, back at it with another slamming party. Yes. I think I feel a montage coming on. <gasps> the scene swipes across. <laughs> we see a series of montage scenes now where Bacchus and Luz running down the sidewalk, rushing to try and catch the Invisitrain that is currently taking off without them. And then we swipe again, and Luz is sitting on a bench of the Invisitrain next to Bacchus. Bacchus, who takes up far too much room, and a third gentleman who's, like, reading a newspaper and is smooshed up against the glass, and all we can see is just, like, his legs and, like, maybe the newspaper. And then the scene changes again, and they're in the shops now, and Bacchus walks out from, like, a dressing room dressed in, like, different salad-themed outfits, and Luz is doing the thing where she sits in a chair, like, puzzling over each outfit and, like, shaking her head no. And then the scene swaps again, and then there's more shops, and they're walking along aisles of decorations, and Luz is carrying, like, this massive mound that's like five times her height and body weight of fairy lights and lamps and bowls and record players and salad bowls and tongs and Bacchus is walking in front just like shoveling more and more shit into Luz's arms. And then lastly, we end up back at the hotel where Luz and Bacchus burst open the front doors to the hotel and Luz, exasperated, dumps all the decorations Bacchus made to carry the whole way. Probably because he's, I imagine he's probably like drinking a Slurpee, just not carrying anything. And Luz is like struggling to do it all. <laughs> and then Luz collapses onto the floor of the lobby. But it's not the tiled floor you expect. Instead, it's a soft carpet of this lush green grass. Confused, you roll over onto your back and the thick, humid warmth hits your face properly as you gaze up now at the canopy of rainforestry that sits overhead. Those four giant pillars uh, now appear to be giant ancient trees that stretch up and across the skylight, weaving a series of branches and vines where a family of orangutans happily play and swing from branch to branch. And thick green vines drape downwards and trickle across the floor where a series of mini natural water features and mini waterfalls carve a small water trail across the floor of this room. Bacchus kind of takes a beat and he looks around and he says, Huh. I don't... Well, I guess it's not salad themed. Yeah, I don't... I think we goof this one up. Uh, and you made me carry all that for nothing. Wow, what a stinker. You're a stinker. <laughs> I'm going to get up and just like cross my arms. <laughs> like look around. And I'm going to look up at those monkeys and try to make eye co contact with one just so I can like flip one off. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It's the little baby one. Good. And he tries to flip you off too, but it's the wrong finger. Ha, idiot. It is now later that evening, on the same day where, at this time somewhere completely different, we're also somehow watching on as Eli and Ava would be wrapping up their evening at their respective shops. But there are no workbenches or mechanic shops where we are now. Instead, it's mostly just trees far away from the city. The glistening of tonight's moonlight tickles the tops of the conifer trees that blanket the nearby mountains, which overlook the vast cityscape of Broadstead. We look at this cityscape now as it twinkles and shimmers in the distance, almost dancing to the music that we also hear. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. Oh, Lord. Kumbaya. 
we hear an acoustic guitar strumming through the woods and a light sing-along tune being joyously quired as we hover closer to the source. We see a few thin spittles of smoke loiter faintly up into the darkened sky above. Branches and leaves whip past us until we break through to a clearing, where we see a scattering of makeshift homes made out of twigs and branches, as well as canvas tents and old fiber boards and pallets lean up against one another to form a small communion of maybe 30 to 40 people. A few light campfires litter this clearing and bodies wearing loose to nearly no clothing at all are silhouetted by the bright firelight. We continue to pan inwards until we sweep down next to one of these campfires where a handful of the only awake inhabitants sit singing along to the acoustic guitar. We manage to get a closer glimpse of the residents of this makeshift campsite now and notice a large number of wooden necklaces and braided hair and feathers in hair and bare feet. I actually want to ask the group, if you can think of something, give us something that like we might see these people wearing. Flower crowns. Tie-dye. Oh, I was going to say tie-dye. Definitely tie-dye. Uh... Biodegradable uh, jewelry, like those uh, crappy wooden beads. Maybe for the ones who have like hair ties and something, it's made out of like, like I don't know, like strips of loose grass or whatever. That's awesome. That's all awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Sitting on one of these logs next to the campfire, we see a rather young girl. Rainbow, do you want to quickly describe what your character looks like? So, I'm kind of a brunette, but like in the summer, it can be sort of a redheaded look. I'm wearing just a dress. It's kind of ratty and tattered and worn out at the edges and it looks like the seams have been put back in by someone who might not know how to sew well because they're not super tight (laughs) and uh i'm barefoot right now but it looks like you know sometimes i wear what might be flip-flops i've got a dandelion crown in my hair since bun loves necklaces i am wearing two necklaces uh made of uh, old repurposed ribbons and fabric. Some of them have wooden beads. Yeah, that's me. So we see Rainbow sitting here in one of these logs, just kind of lapping in the nice tunes and and lightly singing along. When a voice sings out from one of the groups she sits with, and it comes from a guy that's sort of maybe sitting across from her with long braided hair and a small little goatee, who you know as Rufus, who asks, Rainbow, dude, hey... You got any more of those uh, delicious raspberries we came across a few miles back, man? Aw, oh, Rufus, I'm sorry. You should have asked me an hour ago. I ate them all. Dude, I could kill for one of those little guys right about now. I mean, I wouldn't kill for it because, you know, that's not in our nature anymore. But, you know, I could kill for one of those little guys right about now. <laughs> <laughs> You want me to show you where they are? I'm a little tired, but uh, maybe you could uh, do me a solid and uh, hook a brother up. I love the hesitation on that. Uh, All right, Rufus, fine, but you owe me a back rub later. Oh, you know it. And uh, I'll stand up and I will stretch because I've been warmed by the fire. I want to, you know, just work the motion back into my muscles and then I will set off in the direction that I recall the raspberries being in yeah sure we watch as rainbow just kind of slips out of this camp and you now just find yourself on the most blissful stroll through these woods the the moon is out and these stars that are now above you now that you're sort of away from the campsite and you're headed back in that direction they seem to just shimmer so brightly and the the warm wind that just gently comes in through the trees, the dew on the soft grass that squelches underneath your feet smells so sweet, and the crickets that are just singing from deep within the forest around you, they seem to be singing just for you. And on your way, maybe, and you see this lovely moth, and you decide to chase it a little bit until you can catch it gently, 
on your outstretched finger and we see Rainbow just with pure whimsical wonder just getting a closer look at this thing. And then maybe you also get distracted trying to pinpoint exactly where that owl hoot came from. And you were looking as well for some flowers that maybe only bloom by nightfall somewhere. And then as you continue walking through this forest, we see that she's sort of changing sceneries. And then you finally find them. You finally come to that place where you remember where those raspberries were that Rufus wanted. Um, Do I smell any raspberries left? You can smell with your very keen sense of smell that there are some raspberries. Well, since uh, sometimes there are brambles in the bushes and I might need to crawl through it, I'm going to take my dress off and then crawl into the bush. I don't want my dress to get ripped. It's, It's the only piece of clothing I have. Eli and Ava, the elevated doors have just opened and you have been absolutely cascaded with this warm glow of light and energy and warmth as you now are standing in the exact same lobby that you were in moments ago. A swarm of dancers in eloquent flower outfits are bustling their way through the crowd, giggling about their upcoming performance tonight. And then above all the crowd, there are floating trays made out of bark that just seem to circle inches above everybody's head of the crowd, holding delicious chocolate treats and golden crispy pastries that just fills this hotel lobby with wonderful baked good aroma. A large fluffy wind plucks a buttercrisp muffin off a tray as it glides down and swoops by the tray and stuffs it into his large kookaburra face before shooting back up to one of the top balcony tiers. Two small stout men part the crowd down the middle as they heave and huff to roll a large barrel across the lobby and into the back storage room behind the reception desk where you see perched on this reception desk is a beautiful woman with darker skin and a bright green shimmering dress with gold bangles and bracelets draped around her neck and wrists and she sits talking flirtingly to the horse-headed man that you assume to be is the receptionist and augustus leads you into the middle of all this commotion and partying and not a soul has even noticed your presence yet everyone is just doing their own thing and everybody is going about their party business Augustus turns to the both of you and says, Oh, sh- what did Augustus sound like? <laughs> slightly British. But also slightly crazy. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, I think I remember it. Um, Eli, Ava, welcome to my hotel. The Hotel du Décové. Which, um, it translates to the Hotel of Discovery, but it definitely sounds fancier the other way, I believe. You know, if this is heaven, it's a lot greener than I thought it would be. <laughs> My dear boy, this is not heaven. This is Broadstead. Where? What? Who? Why? When? Is that all of them? I think you, I think you're missing how. Mm-hmm. Broadstead. I, I, Broadstead. This is um. Okay. How do I? How do I even begin to explain this? There is more than your world. You live in Bogdan. Yes. And this. This is Broadstead. Welcome. How can I put it any more plainly than that? Um, he's not even paying attention. Uh, he's just looking at all the weird things, like the floating things and yep. uh, the horse headband. He's not paying attention at all. Ava's looking... <laughs> I was going to say, Ava's looking at the elevator. <laughs> I'm very confused. All right, roll plus sharp. Sharp. Nine. Better than the six that you got last time. Yes. (laughs) So as you approach this elevator now, um, uh, again, there is no signs of any wear and tear. It is not the derelict outside or exterior. There is none of that anymore. Now it's just this fancy, it is this fancy hotel framed, framing this elevator. With a nine, you come closer and you, you look above the elevator and there is no vertical shoot at all, like going upwards. 
and then you look at the little gap between the elevator and what would be like floors below and there is nothing it is just concrete like inches below where that gap is so as far as you can tell it is literally just like a cosmetic elevator that literally does not go up and down at all whoa okay <laughs> so it's possible to like circle it yeah absolutely because it's not stuck in a shaft you uh i mean it's in a it's in a shaft but it from the outside it just looks like a box basically yeah you, you walk around it and um that's what you find out those are the very yeah, you're like gazing up around at all the crazy madness that's happening and an orangutan swings down on a vine and swipes out a banana that is floating on one of these bark trays and it whizzes like right past your head almost like slapping you in the face with a banana I probably nearly tumble over <laughs> it's like ah <laughs> and uh, Augustus now kind of leans into both of you and he says now listen, I there is something very, very important that I have to tell each of you. And he, it is almost as if all of the joy and all of the happiness that that resided in his face moments ago is now gone. It is just grave concern and like absolute serious. And he says, if anybody asks you where you are from, you are not to tell them that you are from Bogdan. Just simply say that you are a new guest at this hotel. Wait, 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 wait hold on a second. You, 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 the, from, from, you, wait, you said welcome home to me? What? Yes. Welcome home. I, I was, I, I, I don't know if you remember the last, I think it was like probably like five minutes. I don't know. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm lightheaded. But, as you can see, I was there and not here. So how can there be me here? What? <sighs> there is uh, much that we need to talk about. Yes, there is. I, I imagine that you are teeming with questions right now. And this is all a lot, especially for both of you. Look around, you guys. You are in an... I have been for the past 30 seconds. It's insane. There's a floating piece of bark on there. A monkey nearly just slapped me. There's a dude with a horse head. Yeah, I said it's a bit quieter. I was hoping that he didn't hear it. This is... This is... I'm... Hi. Ava slapped me. Ava slaps him. Why is it not working? Listen, I we, we have all the time in the world to talk about everything, but right now, take a look around you. There's a party happening here. And uh, it seems this week it's uh, forestry. Uh, you are absolutely welcome to eat and drink and see and do anything you like while you're here. We Oh, you have to check this out. We have what's called, get this, we call it a smelly chamber. There, oh, 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 and there's this music parlor. If you enjoy a good boogie, I myself am quite good at the tango. I think to sort of quench your uh, concerns, there is most of all one room that I want to show each of you. Speaking of quench, is there any tr- is there any trees with water on them? Right as you have the thought where you want to quench something, a small bark floating tray just gently hovers down right next to you, holding a large glass of water. I'll take it. The bark whizzes away. Now, the one thing that uh, I, I'm very unsure of is with this one room that I want to show both of you, uh, I... I I don't know where it is. Um, can we pause real quick? I need to pause real quick. So you brought us here. Can we get back? I pull out my phone. What's happening with that? Because I, that just reminds me of time. Ava pulls out hers too. You both pull out your phones. Eli, you recognize it before. Moments before you stepped into the elevator, there was this weird like static filter that crossed it. Now your phone is just like lit up with this static imagery. This like static filter. You can't see any buttons. There are no app icons on there. It is just this glowing purple fuzzy filter. Your phone is basically inoperable. Well, great. Not only do we not know where we are, and I'm almost having a panic attack, but we also don't know what time it is. Ah, it's a big gulp of the water. Wait, so you have a whole hotel. This whole place is yours, and you don't know where one of the rooms is, but you know it exists. Well, I mean, I don't own this this uh, this hotel is not something that can be uh, be owned. It is it is of itself. 
And I know that is probably a very strange concept to, uh, to you and where you are from. But um, <sighs> this is a special hotel, guys. And uh, he begins to walk you across the, across the lobby. And just like somehow, like the crowd is just like nonchalantly parting ever so slightly for you. As you're shuffling past all these partiers and wonderful commotion, you notice that the crowd that's standing directly in front of you now begins to almost panic and abruptly siphon off to either side as a large space of blank floor is opened up. And of course, you notice that the floor is, is this gorgeous lush green grass beneath your feet. And then a large shadow befalls this one spot as you hear from above. There he is! Augustus! August! Incoming! What? As the loud pushing of wings hails from above, as the large kookaburra awkwardly spirals downwards into this foyer, coming to a clumsy landing that seemed a little too close to face planting for your liking. And he straightens his feathers and pipes up, Augustus, there you are! Listen, Madame Rochelle has been seeking you out. She's planning to give the Discoverers an operatic vocal show in five minutes. You came at the perfect time. You must come and join us. It's going to be absolutely... And Augustus holds out a polite hand, gently cutting the bird off and interjects, Bacchus, Bacchus, I'm with some new guests, as he motions towards you. Just blank stare. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you, you are staring just like almost vertical, vertically upwards, because this kookaburra, uh, cooker butler, is, uh, uh, what's the American equivalent? Like 10 feet tall? Wow, hold oh, that is tall. Yeah. How many meters? That's about the size of like a door in a bit more. Yeah, door and a half. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. And uh, he smiles politely at both of you and he says, uh, Oh, wonderful. Welcome to the hotel. And he holds his wings out in this like magnificent grandeur pose of discovery. And there's this awkward silence for a bit. And then Augustus continues, Listen, you'll have. Okay. Oh, stop, stop. And he holds his hands and he's like trying to push <laughs> Bacchus's wings down. He's like, Listen, okay. You'll have to send Madame Rochelle a message for me that I'm sorry to miss her performance. I do hope that it is with much ferocity and flavor as if I were there, but I have hotel duties to attend to, even in this time of celebration partying. I'm sure she will understand. Bacchus continues, well, okay, that's all right. Well, I guess it's no surprise then. My name is Bacchus. It is lovely to meet you, my lady. And he holds out a wing for you, Ava, and just bows ever so slightly in the most polite way possible. Um, I think out of an automatic response, she like takes the wing and like just mimics the gesture. She's like kind of on autopilot. A uh, pleasure. Nice to meet you, um, Ava. Oh, Ava. What a beautiful name. Hey, Gus, she certainly got some nice manners. I like this one. Bacchus now turns towards you and says, it is lovely to meet you, sir. And what might be your name? Uh, I'm, I'm Eli. It is a pleasure to meet you. And he holds out his wing as well for you. I guess I'll like shake it too, very awkwardly and just then let go and like, okay, this is what today is like. <laughs> Bacchus continues. Well, listen, if, uh, well, you said that they are, they're going to be no guests and Augustus just kind of nods and he says, well, that, that must mean that their room must be almost ready. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and he says, well, uh, you know, I, uh, I do have to get back to Madame Rochelle's performance. And with that, Bacchus, big sweep of his wings, a gush of wind just bursts outwards as he flies up into the air and returns to the second story. A torchlight sweeps the screen and we are momentarily blinded. It takes a second for our eyes to adjust as we focus in on the person holding the torchlight. It's an older man dressed in overalls and a flannelette shirt, wading through the long grass of his farmstead at nighttime. His torchlight catches something, a lump in the grass. We see him angle his torchlight closer and a look of horror crosses his face as the torchlight catches the scene we now see a large furry red beast kneels over the corpse of a freshly deceased cow. The beast's head is buried inside the chest cavity and the cow's insides are ripped and splayed in a two meter radius around the carcass. 
The beast notices this torchlight and whips its head in the direction of its source. We catch not a flesh head to this beast, but instead catch the reflections of light off of a bare skull in place of its head. Before the beast lets out a low guttural snort of mischievous anger. And it pushes off the ground and careers off into the darkened distance, off into the Broadstead East Wilds. The old man bursts away from the scene and rushes for his truck, slamming the door open as he goes. We see a brief flash of relief cross this old man's face momentarily, but only momentarily, before his face returns to grave concern as he pulls at the walkie-talkie on the center console of this truck. He punches in a few numbers into the receiver, and a muffled voice responds on the other end of the line. Broadstead Police Company, please state your business and any greens of concern. The old man responds in a short and serious tone as he spits into the receiver. 90210, send the brand suits to Flanagan Farm immediately. There's been a code red incident. I think the peace has just been broken. As Augustus leads you now up the stairwells and slowly upwards and upwards across all the balconies, you're passing a series of different rooms. Uh, you walk past one room that has the two doors completely open. Inside, there is this smoky haze lined with extravagant lounges and armchairs and beanbags. And the mist is this like weird red color. And you get this smell of strawberries and raspberries that fill the air. And then he sort of ushers you beyond that and you walk past another door. And inside this door, it is this long rectangular room with large bookshelves that line all the way up to the ceiling and all the way down. And in the center of the room, it's this long table as well. And there's only one patron sitting there in this room. Luz, I assumed you've retired to the library after helping Bacchus set everything up. And um, I, I imagine that's sort of not Luz's vibe. Oh, yeah. What would she be doing in there? Well, I probably like at least changed into like a nice uh, foresty brown dress. Yeah. Just to, like, if I had to walk out, I wouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I'm I'm in the library and I'm probably actually sitting in a chair for one instead of just like chaotically on the floor. <laughs> like I'm I'm in a chair with like my uh my boggy book. Awesome. Just like in my lap. Reading up on the book that you found earlier, uh, you're reading this very particular passage and it states Often a boggy will wear a piece of fabric that wraps tight around their arms and torso and hoods over their head. They call this a hoodie and often are worn by the most violent, malicious types. Did you say a hoodie? I'm wearing one of those right now. Isn't me and both Ava, are, does Ava wear a hoodie? Ava does wear a hoodie. Calling out this ancient and unworldly demonic passage will banish them to their underworld. Oh boy. Uh, Vindaloo, Vindaloo, Lamb, Rogan, Josh. At this very moment, in the worst timing in the world, you see Augustus walk past the door to the library with two patrons following in tow, two of which are wearing the blasphemous hoodie. <gasps> and uh, Augustus pokes his head in and gives you a very polite, ah, hello, Luz, how are you this evening? I see you're not uh, joining your, your fellow guests out in the uh, lobby for the party. I am not listening to him. <laughs> After breathing in for like a minute, I'm like coughing very violently. <laughs> Ava starts like waving her hand back and forth, like slowly, like, hey. Are you okay? Depends. And I slam the book <laughs> shut. I spat my drink out. <laughs> 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 I, I, I stuff my book in my bag and I march right right up you know, I'm gonna march right up to Eli he's, he's about my height we're both very much taller oh. than you oh yeah <laughs> I'm gonna look him in the eye and I'm going to poke at his sleeve <sighs> uh, I, I, I. Is this a gut? I guess is this norm? No, normal? Luz, I would like to introduce you to Eli and Ava. They are going to be two new guests of ours here at the hotel. 
I'm sure that's their name. What? Last time I checked, my name was Ava Yes. Hmm. My my head whips towards you, Ava. Ava stands up straighter. <laughs> and I I point at your hoodie. My hoodie? She's like gesturing at it. Oh my god. Vindaloo, Vindaloo. Lamb Rogan Josh. Uh, and I like stare at you just very, very intensely. Is that a language people speak here? Is she okay? Mm. No, it's uh, we we all sort of speak English here. I I have no idea what this is. Are you okay? No, no. Well, I understood that one. I'm is there is there you. a problem? I'm, I'm coming with you. Oh, okay. I like lightly like smack you on the forehead. Ah, what the heck, man? Lightly, <laughs> it's like a little like. Still. <laughs> Her hands, I bet, are so clammy. You look like you've been smacked approximately two times. Oh, he has. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm a newcomer at the hotel, and actually it was three times today. Well, you, if I count that, so it's going to be four. That technically is the truth. How? Mm. What? What about you, Ava? Ava's just staring at her. Hmm. I'm a new resident, and who are you? Yeah, Augustus, who's this 10-year-old? Oh, she does look like she's 10, doesn't she? Oh. Ava starts, like... Yeah, she is very short. Oh. Like, measuring her. Does she have some sort of health condition? Oh. <laughs> if you aren't 10 years old, you're not giving any better case that you're not. I am 16 years old. Eli gives kind of the eyes of just, like... He raises one eyebrow and is like, Really? <laughs> Ava circles. Yes. I am... I am not... That short, I am approximately five foot three and a half. Watch, watch, watch where you step, Eli. Augustus, can we go? <laughs> no, I'm going with you. Uh, look, everybody is welcome to do as they please here in the hotel. Now, getting back on track, uh, Ava, Eli, I'd, I, uh, I'd like to show you to, uh, to the room that I was talking to earlier about. The room that you don't know where is. Yes, let us keep sort of searching for okay. this. Um, follow me! I go up to Ava's like, how are you not freaked out about this? I mean, if you just learn to ignore it, it just kind of fades into the background. There's a lot of other interesting things. This is a lot to ignore. I'm not talking about that, and I point to I point to lose. All of, what is that? Do you know this guy? I am smelling Ava's hoodie. Ava starts, like, batting her away like a cat. Like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have an older brother. You learn to ignore these things. Okay, I'm not talking just about that, because obviously that is that. But still, all of this that's happening, how are you this calm? Um, you know, I think it's shock. You know what? That does make sense. Yep, yep. Just a lot of shock. By the way... Oh, God. What? You guys cut me off before I could say my name. Oh. Oh. My name is Lou Screw. That totally makes sense. What? Yes. I mean, it also makes sense with how pasty your skin is. What does that even mean? <laughs> I would like to also ask that. What does that even mean? Uh, the Spanish word for light is Lou's, and I imagine her skin is pale and pasty. True. Wow. <sighs> Augustus gives a big sigh. As he's like pinching the bridge of his nose and he kind of <clears throat> gathers all of your attention. And he's standing now uh, at the front of a short little hallway that juts sort of perpendicular away from the lobby. And Luz, you know exactly where you are in the hotel because what used to be just the one door down this hallway and it was your bedroom door. Um, there are now three doors I am shaking with excitement, but trying not to show it because I think I can see where this is going and I am vibrating very excitedly because I can do some research. And as you guys look down this hallway, uh, Augustus starts to walk down as well. We see on these three doors, the first one is a purple door with etched symbols and patterns that sort of mimic this ancient hieroglyphics. And there's like eyes etched into it as well. Um, and we know that this is Luz's room. But there are two new doorways, Luz, that are one across from you and the other sort of next to you. 
The one directly across from your door, Luz, is this starry night door that has a large brass handle on it. And then the one next to your door has this strange, deep cosmic illusion, as if you're just staring out into deep space with the purple and dark navy blue clouds that pepper our vision. Augustus says, I'm not too sure about which door belongs to either of you. But I hope that uh, both of you will know which one to uh, which one may belong to you. So I have a door to my name now. He'd probably inspect Lu- like Luz's door for a second and just think how weird it is. And then he's hoping that the one that is his is the one that's across from Luz because he wants to be as far away as possible. So he heads <laughs> to that one. Yeah, you walk up to the Starry Night door, the brass door handle. Uh, you hear a little click come from it as your hand hovers closer to it. Uh, is that a sign? Is, did, did I just shut off a trap? If I open this door, am I going to explode? <laughs> no, that, Eli, that is not a trap. That is an invitation. I guess I'll reach out and I'll open the door. Do you want to describe for us what you see? So this is less of just a room and more of like a studio apartment. Basically what you guys see as I open the door is a very wide uh, space with like brick walls uh, everywhere. There is two floors. One corner, there is a, a, a chill room with like a TV and a game console, a big comfy couch, just kind of like a place to hang out. Uh, next is a very just kind of simple uh, kitchen bar uh, setup, nothing huge. And then next to that is like a workshop area uh, to kind of just like build small projects and other types of stuff. Uh, and then the last thing is the second level uh, room is kind of like a, uh, a loft type situation. There's like mm-hmm. a comfy bed with a uh, starry uh, patterned blanket um, with a cast iron skylight window giving a perfect view of the starry night uh, and at the foot of the bed is an electric piano and then right next to that is a holder for both an electric and an acoustic guitar. Glad you painted your room in broad strokes for me. <laughs> <laughs> and as you walk in you find yourself just kind of getting lost in this room and, and you're now just kind of investigating walking around. Yeah. Uh, and we cross over to Avery. I imagine you, you watch as Eli walks into this room and you're left out in the hallway with Augustus and Luz and the other door. Um, so Ava like slowly turns to the door and approaches it very cautiously. I know she just witnessed Eli's experience, um, but she's still a little cautious because I don't think she knows what it's going to look like. Um, so she reaches for the door handle. You hear a click from the handle. Um, and the door flies open to reveal a space that is very spacious. Um, it's a, like a loft apartment, kind of like Eli's. Um, the floor is like a dark wood paneling. And then there is a kitchen off to the right that has a bar where she can sit. Um, the kitchen is linked to a living room setup that has one of those really big like corner couches. Yeah. That's a teal uh-huh. blue. In the middle of that is a coffee table that looks almost like the sun's in the mid- middle and the planets are like orbiting around it that has a glass piece on top. And the very back wall is just lined with a giant bookshelf, but it's full of books, but there's also a bunch of like knitting utensils and crochet utensils, things she really could use to create these really lavish pieces. There is stairs that go up to the loft where there's these huge windows and a big California king bed that's really fluffy. There's the like fairy lights that kind of go around and the roof of the whole thing is these big industrial beams. Damn, our rooms are really similar. (laughs) Yeah, they are really similar. Wow. Very cool. And it's it's now that you sort of realize that this these rooms that you're both in are like the perfect rooms. Somehow the hotel has been able to cater for your every desire and need. Augustus calls out from the hallway as you're both now just lost in your own rooms and just exploring this space. Welcome to uh, 
perhaps your second home for the time being. I will be back to fetch you in a little bit. I have to just take care of some business. And he softly closes the door to each of your rooms, just letting you be, be in this space. Augustus turns to you now, Luz. Do I have to go? No, actually, would you mind joining me in my office? Am I in trouble? No, 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 um, no, not at all. You, no, absolutely not. You, um, oh, okay. Um, this is uh, more of a good visit. Oh, hmm. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> puff out my chest and I have my hands on my hips. <laughs> like, huh, this is new. <laughs> <laughs> Rainbow, your peaceful night, right as you're reaching out to collect these last raspberries, is brought to an abrupt and immediate halt when two sets of torchlights hit you from a short distance away. Uh, and also, you're currently naked. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely naked. <laughs> uh, I'm going to crawl out of the bush and shield my delicate eyes and just be like, who's there? It now jolts you out of your just blissful state as you freeze up and five torches land on you now and you can barely see anything now from the blinding light and you hold your hands up to try and block it out and see what's happening but you're confused and there's voices yelling things like found it over here and you feel just so confused as to what's happening and then more yelling and then there's 10 torches on you and 11 torches on you and more voices shouting and yelling and you just feel confused and the the voices and torches are slowly stepping closer towards you and they're they're screaming at you now to raise your hands in the air and to to get down on the ground and before you know it you've been forced down to the ground face first and you feel this weight on your back as you're pressing deeper into the cool grass. What does it, like, I know I can't see, but what does it smell like? Hmm. With your very keen scent, you smell the scent of cologne, old fabric, and pigs. (laughs) Wait, do you mean police officers? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) get your hands off me you filthy pigs you hear these voices and bodies start piling on top of you now and then there's this one voice in particular that cuts through and the voice says let's take her to see the director he'll uh he'll need to give the final approval before we uh, continue our investigation is anyone near my mouth i know they're holding my arms yes there is just piles of bodies and there is a face that's like pressed into the dirt holding you down, but you're like face to face with them. And you see now that like, it is a giant pigeon head that is staring at you with a, and this man is wearing a brown suit and you know them as the, the local kind of police force. They are, they're called the brown suits or the brownies. I would like to try to bite him if possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, they've got my hands. Roll kick some ass. All right. So it's my cool. Yep. All right. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a solid fat five. Experience! Yeah, I got experience. I thought it was plus tough to kick ass. Oh, plus tough? Yeah. Well, that's a solid four. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Even worse. You lunge out to try and bite the face of this large pigeon man, and he he dodges it completely, and uh, instead you just eat a mouthful of dirt, and then now you hear him yell, Get the muzzle! Ooh. And you feel I want to spit dirt at them! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can spit some dirt out, and it covers his face. And then you feel this leather muzzle just sort of be put over your face and over your, over your mouth right now. They didn't happen to pick up my dress, did they? Nope, you're weirdly now naked on the ground with a bunch of pigeon men. Well, not my normal Tuesday night. We're back now inside Eli's room. Eli, you've been in this room just for, you know, a couple minutes, but you start to get woozy headed and you are now getting the spinning sensation and you stumble over to the bed and collapse as you are sent plummeting into a deep, dark space. Yeah, it is just so quick and abrupt that you barely have time to even like collect yourself. Oh, no, yeah. You plummet somewhere into this deep space that feels exactly like the dream you had earlier this morning can you roll plus weird for me <laughs> so uh eli as being a spooky playbook gets a, a a start of mystery move 
which is called Premonitions. Do you want to quickly oh, read the start of the mission? The Premonition wasn't the last one? <laughs> nope. That was just something a little extra I gave you. Ooh. Uh, that's going to be... That's going to be a six. We're not doing slow. Mark that experience, because that is a failure. When you're inside this dark space, one image snaps into your vision. Ava is lying on the ground as a large furry beast crouches over her, tearing into her corpse before it quickly notices you. And then you recognize immediately the feeling of hatred and malice and sadness before it lunges out at you, breaking you from your slumber. Ava, you are in your room, except you don't break out into this trance state. Instead, huh, you know what? Help me do something here, Ava. Mm-hmm. Would you have your deck with you, or would you have a bag that might hold the deck? I do. It's like she keeps it like in her back pocket. Okay, cool. Yeah, but no bag to keep it in. Ava, you're in this room now, and the lights start to become a little bit dimmer. And there is almost this sense of this like purple haze beginning to corner the rooms around you. And you feel this sense of pull and energy coming from your back pocket. So she's actually going to make her way up the stairs to the bedroom portion of the loft, pull out the deck before sitting cross-legged on the bed, and kind of like mumble to herself, I guess it's time. We see Ava pull out this very old and ornate deck of tarot cards as she begins slowly and gently shuffling each card in on itself. Ava, can you please roll plus weird? Yeah. So Ava, as the chosen, all gets also gets to do uh, what's called Destiny's Plaything, where at the beginning of each mystery, oh uh, no, she will get some sort of. Oh, did you get the same thing I did? I got four. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, we both did not. We both did not roll very well on that. We are doing great on these rolls, guys. (laughs) I mean, mock that experience. I marked it. I marked that experience. As you're shuffling through the deck, Aver, you now feel almost like a, a tinge as you pull out one of these cards. The hangs, man. So, being suspended in time or stuck in one place. Okay. And then you continue to shuffle and you pull out a second card. And it is the Seven of Wands. She places it gently next to the hangman, the hangman, excuse me, and sighs for a minute. <sighs> Defending oneself against a greater power. So, somebody stronger than me. Okay. Okay, cards, what's next? The final card that you pull out has this radiating energy about it that is unmistakable that this is the card that needs to come. Death. She freezes at that one. Um, I think this was the last card she expected to ever draw. So she's going to place it gently down next to the other two and just stare at it. Um, And then mumble, you know, this is not... It's not good. It's not good at all. And we leave Ava to her cards. And we are now following Augustus and Luz. And Augustus stepping into his office. Luz, you've been here a few times. Um, When you walk in, there is this just wonderful royal smell of oak and like fine cigars. There's a warm fireplace that just rumbles quietly in the corner and two large chairs that seat across from this like gorgeous large mahogany desk that has an amalgamation of papers and documents scattered all across it. And Augustus walks behind this desk and sits down and just politely gestures for you to uh, to join him. Yeah, I just like flop down into the chair and I probably accidentally like sit on my bag, which hurts. So I kind of like go, ah, 
And then, <laughs> and then I like move it and I'm like rubbing my hip like <laughs> Augustus sits uh, with his feet up on the desk and his hands together in the uh, Monty Burns kind of way, but not in like a you know cynical way, just kind of like he's in like deep contemplative thought. And he says, uh, listen, Luz, I know that, um, look, you've been here for a few months now, and I'm sure that you've noticed some um, strange things going on in this hotel. I I know that, you know, magically appearing doorways and the hotel lobby uh, changing into forests and and beaches is also strange, but I can't avoid when you walked in on me talking to seemingly nothing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Where do I even begin? So, I... Okay, let me start from the beginning for you. I didn't find you by accident on the curb, Luz. I, I was given instructions to come and collect you. So, uh... Who 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 gave you these uh instructions? Who who saw who saw something in me? He leans back just a little bit further in his chair, and he again pinches the bridge of his nose, and he continues. Luz, it's uh, it's not so much the matter of who, but um, but what gave me these instructions? The hotel is alive, Luz. I can't put it any more bluntly than that. This. This hotel is alive. She graciously opened her doors for me when I needed her. And she lets me know when I need to also help others. I I have this sort of um, bond. And he opens a locked drawer of the top drawer of his desk and he pulls out a series of pieces of parchment that are like all stacked on top of each other. And you can see that the edges of these pieces of parchment are just like singed black. They've been burnt. Mm. These are, this is how I, we communicate the, the, the hotel and I. And he hands you these pieces of parchments and you begin to sift through them and you're, you're pulling out notes that have names of people who are living here in the hotel. And then halfway through the pile, you come to, you come to your name. Your real name. I'm... I, like, quickly just put my hand over it, like, nah. Alright, I get it. I get it. (sighs) Rainbow, you are now in a completely different place. You have been brought down from the forestry into almost the heart of the city of Broadsit now. You can feel the cold metal of the handcuffs behind your back still chills your wrists as you are just being pushed and forced along. And the the brown suits have now put a coat over you. You're, you're now decent and covered. Um, <laughs> but they walk you up the stairs to these large two double doors. And from behind, you hear this uh, roar of energy and activity. And one of the brown suits slams the door open and your senses, I guess, are just bombarded with the party that's ensuing. It is bright lights and loud music and, funnily enough, gorgeous smells of forestry. And the party comes to a record scratch stop as the brown suits just shove you further into the middle of the lobby floor. And they call out, Where's the director? Luz, you're with Augustus in his office and you both hear this commotion. And right as this is happening, the fireplace in the corner of the room just roars these like meter high flames and a single piece of parchment floats upwards into the air and twinkles down as Augustus snatches it out and quickly stares at the piece of paper. He whips around the desk and he, and he slides this piece of parchment into your hand, Luz, as he picks you up and is now hurriedly ushering you out, out of his office with him. And you go down the stairwell with him. He's holding your hand now. And you go down to the lobby floor and Gus pushes his way into the front of the crowd. And the brown suits now are shoving Rainbow closer and closer. And there's just this now gap of crowd in the middle. 
And Eli, you've been broken out of your trance and it's almost as if you were just back in reality. And uh, Ava, that purple haze that was covering your room is just like gone in a vanish. And you hear this commotion happening outside. I probably am heading straight forward Ava's room. If whether we bump into each other or not, it will be up to what she says. Ava, what would you like to do? Oh yeah, we're definitely bumping into each other because Ava's going toward the commotion. Ah! Ava, Ava, we have to get out of here. We have to get out of here. What? You walk over to the railing of the balcony of this, and you are now overlooking this scene. The crowd has parted, forming a circle, where, as you look on, a series of pigeon-headed men in brown suits stand to one side, and Gus and Luz are on the other. And in the middle, you can see that there is this rather hippie-looking girl in handcuffs. The brown suit's voice now just booms in the echo of the silence in this room. Are those pigeons? Uh, I think so. Uh, they definitely look like it. Uh, okay, that... Oh my god, we... He's just kind of stuck in thought, I guess. Ava's going down. Oh, wait, wait for me! The brown suit continues, and he says, Sir, there has been a, uh, a cold right incident out on the outskirts of Broadstead where this... This thing has been caught red-handed as the culprit. I have told my team that we are almost ready to continue immediately with the convictions and, and investigation, but uh, yeah, as you know, sir, formal matter to state that we need to run it by you first. My hands actually are red from raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> Gus steps forward, looking puzzlingly at you, Rainbow. With just absolute concern and curiosity, he gently takes your chin and lifts it up as he searches deeply into your eyes for a long moment. And inside his eyes, you get this sense that there is a cosmically large space inside this man's head. And you're kind of lost for a second, but then you see a twinkle of joy somewhere deep in his own eyes spark up. Gus looks back at you, Luz, and nods toward the paper. You lift up the piece of parchment. A single word is written on the note that embers with the warmth of the fireplace. Innocent. 